HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. set up their D. The crowd on its feet here at the Air Canada Center. Lynn puts it up. Bang! Jeremy Lynn from downtown! And the Knicks take the lead! Was that, was that the right clip I was supposed to play, Linda? <laughs> Don't worry, Jack. Just bear with me, okay? Yeah, we heard about Jeremy Lynn. Unless you've been living under a rock, Everyone knows who Jeremy Lin is and this whole thing called Lin Sanity after his wonderful performances for the New York Knicks basketball team. I'm Linda Palaccio, and you are indeed listening to A Taste of the Past, even though it sounded like a sports show there. You know, Lin Sanity, I, I, I do happen to love basketball, and there was a wonderful article. I mean, I've been following this whole Lin Sanity thing, and, and there was a wonderful article in the Times last week about Jeremy Lin, mostly about his parents and and his mother and, you know, how she was so influential in, in keeping him in the game of basketball. And I was reading it. It was very interesting. And then I got down to the paragraph that said, well, Jeremy's mom had to travel a lot for her work. And while she traveled, you know, a week or two at a time away, his grandmother would come over from Taiwan and cook Taiwanese dishes for her the entire time that she stayed with him. And I thought, aha, that's a little-known fact about Jeremy Lin. I mean, I think most people just assume he's Chinese and not realizing that it's Taiwan. Both of his parents, um, well, they came over to America when they were very, very young in their early 20s, but they both come from Taiwan. And his grandmother still lives there, and she comes back and forth and cooks for him. I thought, what a wonderful thing to explore, because I think that I don't know, very few Americans really know much about Taiwan, and and certainly maybe not much about the cuisine. Taiwan is home to an ethnic and cultural diversity that affects its dietary culture as well. The cuisine has been strongly influenced by foods around mainland China, particularly the Fujian Fujian province, and also by the cuisines of, of a lot of other provinces. And then during 
there was a half a century when uh, when Japanese ruled Taiwan, so there was a very heavy Japanese influence as well. So I've invited two very special people with me today to talk about these influences and what Taiwanese food is to them. First, I have Jessica Chen. Jessica is a freelance pastry chef and a writer. She studied at the French Culinary Institute here in New York. She published a book. It's a, a guidebook um, published in Taiwan, basically for Taiwanese, called New York City Food. It's, it's a food guide to New York City called Manhattan Sweets. And Jessica also writes a very popular food blog called NY Anything. And I wish I could read it, nyanything.com, but it's written in Mandarin. And she has quite a following of, uh, of readers, both here <laughs> stateside and in New York and in Taiwan, telling you everywhere, every place you could possibly want to go to get interesting food in New York. And also with me today is Joanne Liu. Joanne is um, also a pastry chef who studied at the French Culinary Institute, and she worked with Jeffrey Steingarten, um, studying uh, everything there, everything about food and how to eat, right? And both of these young women are from, well, Joanne was born in San Francisco, but of Taiwanese parents, and Jessica was born and raised in Taiwan. Both of them I consider to be experts on Taiwanese food. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for Thank having, you. having us. <laughs> um, what, uh, so what would you say, I mean, to understand Taiwan, the food from Taiwan, what in particular maybe makes it different or separates it from what we know of as just, you know, the, the usual? We know there are different province food. We know provincial food of, of China. Um, but what separates Taiwanese cuisine, in your opinion? Jessica? Um, I think Taiwanese food is more about... Uh, you would take all the dishes from mainland China, all the provinces, and make our own, and we create, it, uh, including the Japanese influences. So it's become our own cuisine. Uh, and Okay. And uh, Joanne, you actually were raised speaking Japanese, or your parents were speak, spoke Japanese? Uh, my grandparents Your grandparents spoke Japanese. Spoke Japanese. But, um, because they lived in Taiwan during the, the yes. Japanese rule. And um, my grandfather fought for the Japanese army and then, you know, ate Japanese food throughout his life. Um, but um, in addition to Taiwanese and just Chinese food in general. But um, I grew up eating Taiwanese food every day at home um, and Japanese food, not knowing that there was a difference, because it's, it's what we ate at home, but um, I think what makes Taiwanese food and, and Taiwan unique in, in general is that um, the country is self-sustaining, there's agriculture, plentiful um, fruits and vegetables, seafood, poultry, pork, beef, everything, whereas um, in mainland China, for instance, you have provinces and areas where you could only have one type of of vegetable or livestock, um, and it's not as bountiful as Taiwan. So you're able in Taiwan, you're able to to experience food from various regions. So mainland um, food of the provinces might be limited, as you're saying, yeah, yeah. different things. Interesting. Well, I mean, that's um, so many people don't really understand the um, the history of Taiwan uh, or the politics 
you know, over the years. I mean, it's quite a quite a history um, between the Portuguese settlers and, and colonists, and then the Japanese colonists, and then and then Chinese. I mean, it's a beautiful looking. I, I've not been, but it looks absolutely beautiful right off the eastern coast of Japan. I mean, China. <laughs> Let's get into the right right head here. Um, what? Tell me. Um, Interesting, when you were growing up, um, what foods, what would you consider like a classic dish of the foods that, of Taiwan? Um, for me, I think Qingzhou Xiao Cai. Uh, you have to say that the, one again for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, Qingzhou Xiao Cai means, um, like, for example, my dad wake up, that's what he will have in the uh, as a breakfast. It was plain rice congee with mm-hmm. some small dishes. For example, we'll have... Uh, uh, egg, which was pan fried with uh, soy sauce paste with jiang you gao, or we'll have some uh, just plant, uh, just stir fry vegetable, which is very light, not only salt as seasoning. Mm-hmm. We also have some pickled vegetables. So those, I think, is a classic di- classic dish people don't know here as a Chinese cuisine, mm-hmm. and. And sometimes, like when right now, I feel when I miss home, I will cook Qingzhou Xiao Cai as a dinner, not only as a breakfast. Because nowadays people don't eat really, don't really eat breakfast at all, so that become my dinner. But I think that's um, something people don't know about uh-huh. here. Uh-huh. And Joanne, you had um, before the show, you had mentioned a, a cute story that you, well, as you said just before, not not you ate a little bit of Japanese, a little Chinese. You weren't you weren't even aware of the differences. You talked about your breakfast, um, drinking miso soup. What yeah, exactly. Um, so growing up, um, my grandparents. Um, well, what I mean by not knowing the difference was that you know this is distinctly Taiwanese or Japanese right, or. Right. Uh, outer province food but for example um like jessica having congee for breakfast um with uh, some kind of pickled or fermented vegetable or bean curd and um miso soup uh which is also a common breakfast item in japan and um my grandmother would marinate her own um ikura which is um japanese salmon roe mm. which is it, Distinctly Japanese, but um, that's part of our our usual diet um, for breakfast or just um, for dinner, whenever. And um, she making um, onigiri, which is Japanese mm-hmm. rice balls, for me to bring to school. Um, and so that was, you know, for me being able to bring lunch to school was such a treat because I hated cafeteria food. And who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> It's just, you know, and I didn't know that um, for my parents and my my mom in particular, bringing lunch to school brought back so much nostalgia for her. And so for my grandmother, for my mom, being able to pack lunch for me and packing what they used to eat growing up for me to bring to school brought back so many memories. And so... And so what would they pack in particular? Um, you said the onojiri and... Yes, so it it really depends on um, where you grew up. So my mom grew up in Ilan, which is um, east northeastern uh, city of Taiwan, and it's a coastal town. Um, and she grew up in a farming family. So 
they didn't really have much to eat, I would say, growing up. But that was really common. You didn't, you know, no one really noticed that. No one knew the difference of having a lot to eat or having very little. But for her, bringing rice, um, she said my grandmother would just mix um, lard with rice, the little Mm. soy sauce, and, you know, just that's it. Pack it um, in in a metal box and bring it to school. And back then, you know, she thought, oh, you know, that's what poor people eat. Mm -hmm. Because the lard, we used to thought that way. But... Now I think about it, you know, that was lard that was used to fry shallots. So you have the shallot-infused lard that you mix with <laughs> rice, and then it's it's reheated. You know, if you're lucky, you could reheat it in the school steamer, or um, uh, my mom would bring it to the school cook and put it in the hot pan and just have, like, a, a stir-fry, a fried lard rice fancy. for lunch. And that sounds so delicious right <laughs> Very now. Very fancy, right. But... <laughs> So it, it's, you know... What did the other kids think of your lunch? <laughs> they all hate you. They all want to eat your bento box. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it was... And the, the box itself was really special, the, the actual bento box, the mm-hmm. lunch box. And so, you know, picking, a, like, a Hello Kitty box or, like, a robot <laughs> box. But um, all of that brought memory... Um, you know, it's bringing back memories for me, but just, you know, my mom and my grandmother and, you know, every generation. It's everybody. a nostalgia trip for them as well. Yes. Yeah. And so I, and I called my mom yesterday to ask her, you know, what, tell me what Taiwanese food is to you. And all she could think of was just the word nostalgia because everything mm. she eats brings back so many memories and, um, you know, eating, uh, scallion cake for instance Mm -hmm. she'll think of a time in college when she had you know 50 cents in her pocket and all she could eat was scallion cakes for the entire week so and not three for a quarter that's not fair exactly (laughs) so it's just that feeling um more than the actual food but what the what the food brings to you well it's interesting and i think that is true with um so many cultures that you know, our smells and tastes and dishes are, are all tied up in our memories. And, and that's a wonderful thing. And now with this, you know, the, the world is a smaller place because we go everywhere and the influences of food from one culture to another are everywhere. That Some of the classic and what we might call national dishes are sort of, they're falling by the wayside. We're, you know, we're losing them. But Jessica, you write for, well, basically, you write for Taiwanese people or, mm-hmm. or Chinese people mm-hmm. who might be coming to New York. I mean, you, and you are everywhere. If there's not a new restaurant that escapes you. <laughs> I try. And yet you say that you, you always eat Taiwanese food, but you don't because from reading your blog, I know you are out practically every night of the week. <laughs> <laughs> now, is your, your, you're married and your husband, you said he is Taiwanese or he's, uh, um, he is, he's, his parents uh, uh-huh. was born in mainland China, mm-hmm. so uh, he's from Zhejiang province. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. So, <laughs> so when you when you cook at home, before I got married, I I, I cook a little bit, uh, or my my mom will try to teach me how to cook Taiwanese. But mm-hmm. after I got married, I just realized, wow, the food I have at home is quite different than my husband's family. Mm. The dish is different. The way we present it is different. I was very shocked. And right now, my mother-in-law sometimes will show me how to good cook certain dishes. And I learned that 
as well. So when I cook here in New York, it's a mix.、Mm-hmm. I will mix. I just cook the dish I like,、uh, either Taiwanese or Zhejiang or, or Shanghainese dishes. But you're telling people in your blog about all the new restaurants, many of them of different ethnicities.、Um, I, and I noticed that you had the red rooster in there the other day.、Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs>、um, so what? Type of foods. I mean, people are very adventurous, and they all want to know about the newest restaurants.、Mm-hmm. Because my reader mostly are from Taiwan or, or、uh, from Asia, so I only write in Mandarin right now. And、uh, for us, Western cuisine is more attractive because we grow up in in Taiwanese cuisine or Chinese cuisine. We think, oh, this is we we have this every day. It's it's not unique, not、mm-hmm. special. So that's why I only write. Uh, uh, Western cuisine well, on、like、my blog. Being an American and loving Chinese food, I mean, you know, <laughs> exactly. Not, not too much different, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, if you look, it's interesting all these different influences、um, and foods. And we talked about, you know, the Japanese, the Portuguese, and but and then、uh, the people from the Fujian province.、Um, there was a huge influx of people who crossed the straits. I think around the early 18th yeah, century. Yeah, my ancestor, my my. My my grandfather and ancestors from Fujian province. Uh huh.、Um, and they brought with them their specific foods. But then the ethnicities are the ethnic groups in Taiwan are are very、um, there are many of them and very mixed as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that they have particular、uh, ethnic dishes that they brought with them that they have. I'm thinking of and and. Yeah, you know, Jessica's looking at me with a question mark. <laughs> yeah, you haven't been gone that long, right? But、um, I, you know, I'm doing my research, so I'm looking at、uh, the Han Chinese、um, and the、uh, oh, the Hakka, the time, the Hakka of Taiwan. Oh, that's Hakka、uh, cuisine. Is I'm not expert on Hakka cuisine, but their dishes is a little bit different than Taiwanese. I think. Taiwanese cuisine because Japanese influence, we tend to be a, a little sweeter.、Hmm. So sometimes, like grandfather, when he cook, he will put a pinch of sugar in the dishes. Interesting. And and Taiwanese dishes sometimes most of them are like、uh, soup, but they are more like stories. For、uh-huh. example, rou gen tang is a soup, but it's more thick than like consomme we have. And I, I think that's a little bit different than classic、uh, or Chinese cuisine.、Mm-hmm. I read someplace that because of the Japanese influence,、um, well, many of the dishes tend to be a little lighter. Is that something you find? You do you ever taste some other you know, like more traditional Chinese、mm-hmm. Chinese dishes that seem to you heavier?、Um, letting the ingredient come through more was was mentioned. That and Joanne, you had mentioned there's such an abundance of. Of fresh produce and, and、uh, meats,、um, definitely.、Uh, for example, some of the heavier dishes, which I think have a lot of northern China,、uh, mainland China influences, are the braised dishes,、mm. the braised porks,、um, stews like the lion's head、uh, meatball soup. That I think many people in, in New York know about. If you go to a Shanghainese restaurant, it's in every、mm-hmm. single menu, but. Um, the same in Taiwan,、um, spicy food. It's very heavily spiced. A lot of chili peppers. But then,、um, 
if you go to, um, for example, the area where my mom's from, Elon, um, the food tends to be lighter in that it's just vegetables just stir-fried with garlic and barely any salt or maybe a little chicken stock and that's it. So um, that, uh, well, it might have to do with the fact that Elon had um, heavily, was heavily occupied by the Japanese, but um, also people didn't have many things to cook with back then. Mm -hmm. And so cooking with soy sauce was a luxury for some people. Cooking with um, meat, of course, was a luxury. But if you only had vegetables, then how can you make the most out of it without sacrificing the ingredient but also not using too many things to cook with so you know use cooking with lard you get a lot of flavor with that but um, you don't need much else Um, and just eating white rice with simply sauteed vegetable or steamed fish that's very Taiwanese and also very Japanese at the same time Hmm. that custom soup rice, a meat dish, or protein dish, and some vegetable. Interesting. All separated. It sounds good to me, and I'm getting hungry. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to continue with, I have to get some food in the break, right? Um, And we're going to come back and talk more with Jessica and Joanne about Taiwanese cuisine. Foods Market creates win-win partnerships with our suppliers, and we love to tell their stories. Hot Bread Kitchen is a non-profit, multi-ethnic bakery and job training program out of Manhattan, whose range of international breads are as impressive as they are authentic. Learn more at hotbreadkitchen.org or visit one of our six Manhattan locations for a taste. We are back talking about Taiwanese food with Jessica Chin and Joanne Liu. Uh, We were talking about some of the different um, foods that you love to eat and one dish that kept popping and some that are classic dishes that a dish that kept popping up in my um, research and of course a dish that I happen to love too is the um, beef soup the stewed beef soup with noodles and pickled mustard greens okay I'm going to say it all right new rumien Yes, Nyoromie. Oh, got it. Very close. <laughs> uh, very close. Okay, and in fact, I had I had discovered a, a place in I think a, uh, in Canada where they that's it's a snack shop and that is one of the very few items they don't serve that many items. That's one of the very popular items that they make. And Jessica, you had mentioned that indeed this is considered a snack and like an after school snack. Or? Mm-hmm. We do Nyoromie. Um, I found it very interesting because when I grow up, my auntie make nyoromie. And when she make it, she put uh, a pinch of sugar, of course, and some uh, bean paste. Hmm. And that's how I think nyoromie should be. 
and also with pickled vegetables. But when I got married, I had my um, my mother-in-law's neuromian, and she put napa cabbage in the soup. Mm-hmm. And I was so surprised. <laughs> How come neuromian is this way? We don't. She didn't use any. Uh, she didn't use pickled vegetables. She used napa cabbage in the soup. So. I think neuromian become our Taiwanese dish. It was originally come from uh, mainland, from the northern part of China, mm-hmm. but it become Taiwanese classic. Hmm. Well, we were also talking earlier about um, how everyone has their, you know, you take a dish that is supposedly a classic dish. It takes, you know, uh, spaghetti marinara, actually. I mean, everyone has their own little twist. So in the Chinese dishes... Everyone has their own twist, as mm-hmm. you said, to the yes. you know to the beef soup. Um, obviously, there probably is the first time it was made, the standard way of making mm-hmm. it. But everyone has their own special ingredient they add, and it's different each time. And I think that's what makes uh, the cuisine so interesting as mm-hmm. well. Um, tell me about, and you mentioned this was a considered a snack, an after school snack. And I was reading about, um, and I don't know how to pronounce the word for snack. Chow chi chow, chow chi. Xiao chi, xiao chi. You be. Is it? Xiao chi. Yeah, xiao chi. Yeah. And that means snack, all right? Or snacks. Yeah. Yeah. It literally translates to small, small eat, eats. small bite. Small. Okay. So it's a snack. Yeah. So what would some of the popular snacks be and have or have been over the years? Wow, we have a lot. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Maybe the most, uh, the most popular, most classic. Um. I think what's considered a snack there is totally different than what's considered a snack in, mm. in America. Mm-hmm. And so what's very popular, you commonly see on the streets, are um, fried chicken. It either uh, fried like little nuggets with salt and pepper or um, a whole leg butterflied and deep fried. So that's a very common street snack. Um, and things like grilled sausage... Um, like sausage on a stick, mm-hmm. um, uh, grilled corn, scallion pancakes, anything you can serve from a cart, deep fried, grilled. Um, that's all considered. Uh, a snack. And that's what I wanted to ask too. I mean, they night markets are very popular, mm-hmm. and and street food is is very popular there it's as well, everywhere. right? Yeah, in Every, Taiwan. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the the night markets in Taiwan, uh, Jessica. Anything in particular stand out and for um, you? Night market. We always like to go to night market because we have they have a, all the variety of food. Besides xiaozi, you will have uh, fruit stand. We can have fruit with uh, shaved ice, and we can have uh, bread with mm-hmm. something da bing bao xiao bing. That means a, a like a, a thin pancake. Uh, but we, inside we put yotiao or deep fried dough, and when you wrap it up, you crush it. It become crunchy inside, but with the chewy outside. So those are the, the things we have in the night market, which we don't usually make at home. No, that's interesting. That um, that's I mean, uh, street food is of course just taken off. Um, it's it's a craze actually here in um, America, and particularly in New York and and major cities. Uh, food carts. It was not other than the hot dog vendor. You know, mm-hmm. it was. I mean, it had been a culture um, centuries ago, but now it's coming back with popularity. And I think in large part probably to people traveling to to Asia and mm-hmm. and loving the the night markets and the street vendors. It's so much fun. Besides 
food, you will you will see what's popular right now, and we have all the stores very close by. So it's usually it's a parking lot or a huge building. You can just walk around eating and, and shopping, talking, shopping, <laughs> talking to with your food, uh, friends, uh-huh. and so much fun. Very social, very social yes. activity. Um, well, Joanne, you are considering making a move to Hong Kong. Yes, I um, am. <laughs> as a uh, pastry, I mean, you were uh, studied Japanese and, and communications, but you, then you came and, and became a pastry chef. You're going to take your pastry chef skills to Hong Kong and do something, you think? Um, that's my goal. But mm-hmm. um, first, I, I just want to sort of settle down. And, and be, I've traveled to Hong Kong um, back and forth um, since I was really young. I have family there. But I've never, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the language, with the food, and with a custom in general, but it's, I still discover something new every time I'm there in, in Taiwan as well. So I really want to understand what is going on with food right now in Asia and um, particularly Hong Kong because of the relationship with China. But um, how are people eating? You know, besides dim sum, seafood, um, abundance of Michelin restaurants in Hong Kong. How come, um, why aren't people sort of simplifying things? You know, there's, I feel like there's a sense of luxury in Hong Kong. Everything has to be so luxurious. So I sort of would like to um, bring things back to basics. Mm-hmm. Hong, you know, that's my goal in Hong mm-hmm. Kong, to simplify everything and just... Um, cook things the way it used to be. Well, both of you mentioned that there is um, a, a new influx in the coffee culture and coffee shops, both in um, in Taiwan and you had visited in Hong Kong and said mm-hmm. that it was popular there. Uh, and something very interesting about Taiwan that um, you mentioned, either of you can address it, and that's the um, idea of customizing your food. Tell me, let's go into a beverage shop and you can customize your beverage. Tell me about that. Well, um, I was just thinking yesterday, you know, what is different about Taiwan? Just um, customs and etiquette and in general with food. And so I realized what really stood out to me was being able to customize your food um, down to the percentage of sweetness you want in your drink. So if you go to like a local uh, bubble tea shop, Mm -hmm. you could have your drink warm, and it's literally warm, room temperature. You could have it, you could have um, an iced milk tea without Without ice. ice? My friend would say, what? What do you mean iced tea without ice? I don't understand. You know, 10% cream, 10% sugar, um... You could even specify the size of your tapioca, mini size, large. Or large. Wow, it could take a long time to order one drink. (laughs) Yeah, but it's exactly what you want. And um, and, uh, if you go to like a fried chicken snack shop, you could have your chicken, you know, small spice. They call it small spice. Yeah. It's literally small small spice. Or you could tell them, you know, two shakes of chili pepper. Uh, it's just, I, I think people... Well, get it your way. Why yeah. not, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and it's very liberal, you know, eating. There's, there are no rules, really, um, it's, as long as you enjoy what you're, what you're eating. And so um, it's very fun going to a hot pot store. There's um, 
a table full of condiments and you just pick your own bowl and put chili sauce, sesame oil, vinegar. You could do anything you like yeah. to make mm. your own sauce to mm. uh, dipping for mm-hmm. hot pot. And, uh, well, you've definitely got my <laughs> appetite going now. <laughs> I could easily do that. And we're here at Roberta's. We'll probably break for a pizza. Well, both of you, thank you so much for thank sharing. Thank you so much. You know, it's interesting because... Um, you know, and people might laugh about the Lynn Sanity, but every, you know, it's every so often um, a celebrity comes along that popularizes something. And I, I, I guess the only thing I could think of off the top of my head is maybe like um, Sarah Jessica Parker and Sex in the City. All of a sudden, cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. She popularized cupcakes without realizing it. Well, maybe Jeremy Lynn will popularize Taiwanese food. We'll mm-hmm. see. It has been an Hopefully. absolute pleasure. Jessica Chin and Joanne Liu, thank you very much. And again, you have been listening to A Taste of the Past, and I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.